0: Hi, leading women. I have a question for you. When it comes to nutrition, do you get so overwhelmed that you deprioritize it? We all know that nutrition is important for our physical well-being and our energy and performance as leaders. But with our busy lives and so many fads to sift through, it can be overwhelming. But our guest today, Jill Roberts, argues that it doesn't have to be. Jill is a dietitian, nutritionist, and owner of Living Up Wellness, where she focuses on health for the whole family. She has a whole body approach to wellness that incorporates diet, movement, and mindset. Her approach to helping others with nutrition is the same as her approach to leadership, taking an individualized approach to solutions after understanding the needs and strengths of her clients. She sees nutrition as critical self care that can affect every part of our lives in leadership. And best of all, she starts with simple steps that can build on each other for great change and that are accessible even to the busiest leader. If you're seeking more energy as a mom and leader, you won't wanna miss this episode. But first, in case you're new here, let me introduce myself and moms that lead. Are you feeling stuck in your leadership or life? Like each day is a repeat of the one before it? Is your health and well-being suffering as a result? Or maybe you're feeling like you finally have the opportunity to make the impact that you've been longing for, but want to make sure you're honing your leadership skills and focusing on your well-being so that this high will last. Either way, I'm here for you. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder with over 20 years experience developing others toward their full potential. At Moms That Lead we know that leadership is not about position and that moms have a unique ability to lead and inspire others in all of their circles. We're here to help you thrive so that you can make the impact you long for in your workplace, community, and family. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths. Let's jump in. Well, hi, Jill. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on today and really looking forward to our conversation. Hi, Terry. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's start. I'd love for the audience to learn a little bit more about you, who you are, what you do, and kind of your journey to how you got to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. So I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and owner of Living Up Wellness in the Woodlands. And what I do is I work with individuals every day to help them make small changes and help them achieve their health goals. So whatever that looks like, that looks a little bit different for everyone. Some people are focused on weight loss. Some have chronic diseases that they're trying to manage through nutrition, picky eaters. So it can look like a lot of different things, but I often get that question of, well, how did you get into this? And it really was through my own journey with health that I became a dietitian. And so what that looked like is it started at an early age for me, I was one of those kids that was always getting strep throat or always getting a cold. And then also I had allergies really severely. Mm -hmm. And when I was in high school, I was actually a runner in track and cross country. And all of a sudden I developed out of nowhere, asthma, I actually uh, passed out a few times during the the meets, and that's when I got diagnosed and got an inhaler. And the pivotal moment, though, was probably when I was 12 years old. I started having these severe GI issues and just severe abdominal cramping and pain. And it actually put me in the hospital three different times, and they gave me medications. And, you know, it helped a little bit, but not much. And by the time I was 19, I was just fed up. I was fed up not knowing how I would feel after I ate whatever, because sometimes I would get sick and sometimes I would be okay. And so that's when I actually started diving into and researching. I was in college at the time and I found that nutrition plays a huge component on our gut health. And so at that time, my diet was not great. One of the things that I didn't mention is that I was an extremely picky eater. I did not eat growing up. I did not eat fruits and vegetables. Hmm. I, the only vegetable that I can remember liking was corn. Hmm. And then the only fruit I can remember eating is applesauce, not even apples. Hmm. And so my diet was actually very limited. And that was the first key component that I found. And I did find it interesting that no doctor had ever asked me about what I was eating or my nutrition And so I made small steps. People think, oh, well, so you changed everything all at once. Well, you have to remember, I was that extremely picky eater. And so no, I didn't change everything. But I started with fast food at the time, you know, you're 19 years old, you're (laughs) busy. And so that was one of the things that I started with, and it made a huge improvement. Hmm. The second change is that I grew up cooking in the kitchen with my mom and my granny actually loved cooking. I just hated vegetables or so I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And I was determined though, to start getting curious about them and cooking them in different ways. Because what I realized is that I really only had vegetables, you know, the way that they cooked them. And that for me didn't work. And so I started experimenting and I quickly found out that it wasn't that I hated them. It's just I didn't know the way that I liked them prepared and Mm -hmm. seasoned. And so it was a slow process. Like I said, it wasn't an overnight transformation, but my diet started to improve drastically. And within my first change that I really noticed is that I was still running at the time is that I no longer needed my inhaler. It was a year Hmm. and a half later and I didn't need my inhaler anymore. And other things that cleared up were my allergies. People think I'm crazy when I say, you know, I rarely get allergies anymore, but that was a huge impact as well. Those were the two main things that I noticed. And then of course my gut health, I wasn't having that extreme abdominal pain. And that was the whole reason I started. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge component. And I actually thought, well, I need to go into medicine. And so I actually ended up getting a undergrad in biology and going into gut research instead first and was working at the hospital. I loved it. But I was looking for the next step of, you know, what am I going to get my master's or PhD in and nutrition just kept hitting me in the face again, Mm -hmm. through my own journey. And then also seeing patients, you know, we um, had patients that would be in our, our research trials. And so just seeing so many patients sick, And with these chronic conditions in the hospital, that nutrition I knew could have a huge impact on their health. And so that's what really got me interested. And so I actually went back and got my master's in nutrition. Mm -hmm. And instead of going back to the hospital, though, I really wanted to impact people on a more personal level, meaning you go to the hospital when you're really sick. It's mm-hmm. an acute condition, but you rarely as a dietitian in the hospital, I'll see you once or twice. And then that's it. You're gone. However, I wanted to really impact people and help them make these changes. Cause I knew from my own experience that it is difficult. It's not mm-hmm. easy and it looks different for everybody. And so I actually went into private practice and I help people. I usually see them anywhere from you know, a couple of weeks to six months or more to really help them make those dietary and lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in short, sure that's been my journey. And I can tell you that, you know, your health journey is never over. Your body's always changing and it's dynamic. And that's totally okay. And that's what I've become really passionate about, though. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure that your clients love the fact too, that you also have been on a journey and have experienced making those changes and the, the difficulty that can come along with that as well, but also the positive results that you saw.
1: Absolutely. So I feel like I've been there. I haven't experienced everything that my clients, you know, have gone through, but it's, I feel like we're all on a journey, a health journey and that, you know, it is worth it and figuring out what works best for that individual. That's what I'm really curious about.
0: And you mentioned you're always, you know, you're always on a journey and things are changing. I know you expecting right now as well with a little one on the way. I can imagine that that has introduced some changes into your life. And as you're looking at your
1: nutrition as well. Absolutely. So my husband and I are expecting our first child. And so that's a whole new experience. I you know, you always hear the stories of how much, and I've read, of course, and, you know, have education about what's changing, but it's really different to experience through your own body. And, but it's been, it's been really exciting too.
0: Obviously the podcast being called moms that lead, we have a lot of people who are leading, whether that be in the workplace or in their community or in their homes. Why would you say that nutrition is important for them as leaders. We've talked a
1: lot about physical well-being,
0: but not as much about nutrition. So why is that so important for leaders?
1: I felt that expression, our health is our greatest wealth, that mm-hmm. it absolutely rings true. Like it can be a very pivotal point in our transition, uh, whether we're wanting to be the best leader, the best mom, you know, the best parent, whatever it is, our health really can help us about how much energy we have. Mm -hmm. I always describe to my clients is if, if your, if your jar is empty, how can you give to others in, in your best way? Meaning Mm -hmm. if you're running on empty, you're just running on fuels. Well, it's really hard to give your best versus if you've got a full tank of gas, you've got energy, you feel happy, alive, vibrant, then you can, that really does spill into so many other areas of our life.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. That's gonna impact so many elements of your well-being and your performance, really, as being the leader that you want to be. Again, because it's called Moms That Lead, we have a lot of women listening um, to this podcast. What would you say the biggest challenge or challenges that you see women facing when it comes to their nutrition?
1: Absolutely. So with women in particular. I see a lot that it's about self-care, meaning that, you know, there's a gajillion other things going on from the time that you wake up, you're uh, taking your kids to school, you're, you know, you're picking them up, you're taking them to their activities. You've got your career going on. There's so many things that we can be doing that it's not that we don't want to have good health or we don't want to eat healthy. It just happens to get pushed down on lower on on the plate of you know all the things to do. and so the biggest issue that I see is what I call self-care because I feel like our nutrition is that self-care mm-hmm. and I always like to describe it just like if you're on an airplane and the flight attendant says you have to put your mask on first before you help someone else. That's really hard to do but mm-hmm. it's true meaning that if we don't take care of ourselves, You know, it might not, our bodies might not break down or get sick immediately, but we can wear down and get very fatigued and tired so that we, we can't give our best or we get, you know, sick ourselves. And so that's the biggest challenge that I feel like moms feel guilty if they or women, they feel guilty if they put in too much time to to help themselves because they're doing so many other things. And then also the second challenge is, well, what does that dynamic look like with our family? Whether that's you, your husband, and a dog, or you, your husband, and eight kids, it can be very challenging when it's not, you're not just focused on you. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest challenge I often get from clients that come to see me is that, well, they've tried X, Y, Z, but they've got to cook for themselves differently than the rest of their family. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to me to continue to do long term. And so I really focus on, you know, health for the whole family and what, you know, changes these small gradual changes that we can make for the whole family to, to get healthy because it can benefit everyone, Mm -hmm. but it also can be more manageable and less of a burden versus if I must cook this and my kids and and husband is eating this well that can be really challenging.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I, I think if you're on the one hand, like you talked about first, if you are less likely to put your needs on an equal plane as those needs that your partner has or that your kids have. So you start there and then you're trying to make an effort to be healthy and just adding the time of having to make an extra meal for yourself on top of the meal that you're making for everyone else, I could see how that would be a habit that would be really difficult to keep going.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, and the next step is that I feel like sometimes we put too much on our plates, meaning that, you know, we want to make these health changes. So it must be an all or nothing Mm, approach. mm -hmm. We've got to change everything overnight and then, you know, completely throw out everything that we're doing or cooking right now or eating and that's hard too, because we mm-hmm. don't live in this little bubble where we don't have other things going <laughs> <Right>. on.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that would make it a little bit easier if we didn't have, you know, advertising, marketing and being thrown at us on top of everything else. So you talked about some some ways that you help women overcome those challenges so you know resisting the all or nothing approach doing the small steps what are what are some other strategies that you introduce to women to help them whether it be with the tendency to put their self care to the bottom of the priority list or any of the other challenges what are some of the strategies that you've really seen work with your clients
1: Yeah. So what I've really seen work is what I mentioned a little bit Mm -hmm. is that we put too much on our plate, meaning that realistically, one thing that's different that I do than diets that, you know, focus on doing something extreme, making a lot of changes all at once. That's something that we might be able to do for a few weeks, but it's hard to maintain. I like to start with gradual steps. So oftentimes, That starts with our, our water and our vegetables. Mm -hmm. I love to focus on those two first, just because they can have a huge impact. Everybody's body is a little bit different as far as the exact nutrition that they need, but we can all benefit from. Mm -hmm. So I start with small changes, like getting in more water. That can be a huge one that, uh, Sounds like it's easy, but it actually can be challenging, Mm -hmm. but it has a huge impact on our energy, on our sleep. And so that's a big one. And then our vegetables as well. So we're not doing great as Americans with vegetables and they, and even fruits as well. Mm -hmm. but they can give us the biggest bang for our bot cleaning. They have lots of nutrition in them, and they've got what we call micronutrients. Mm -hmm. And those are important. We all need our macronutrients, our proteins, our carbs, our healthy fats, uh, but our micronutrients, we often get really low on, and that can have a huge impact on our energy. Mm -hmm. So I focus on, you know, how to incorporate small, like those small things in the beginning like that. So we get what I call big wins, because oftentimes, if we've usually, you know, when people come to see me, it's not their first thing that they've tried. So mm-hmm. for women, they've probably tried X, Y, Z. And sometimes I am their last-ditch effort of like, okay, I, I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. What do I do mm-hmm. next? And so this is going, you know, getting to the basics of, well, what, yes, what can you do both in the short term, but then that can carry on to long term, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you feel that, um, are people usually pretty receptive to that gradual approach because they have tried so many other things or is that sometimes a challenge as well to get people on board with taking a more gradual and less drastic approach?
1: I think that it can be a challenge at times mm-hmm. because oftentimes when we think about it, I think it has a lot to do with our society too, how our societies just become a lot more fast paced. So we mm-hmm. want immediate results. We want immediate actions. And so that's hard to then say, okay, let's, let's slow it down a bit. Mm-hmm. And then of course we have small changes, but that might look, you know, different. You're not going to lose 20 pounds in 20 days type effort, Mm -hmm. but not that you're not going to lose weight or if that's your goal, but it's a more gradual approach. So I do find resistance in it in the beginning. What I have my clients do is, you know, set one to three goals, specific goals between our appointments and stick to those so that they have those small wins. They feel, you know, like, Hey, I can do this. I can Mm -hmm. make it work even while I'm super busy. And that's to me what gets the ball rolling and gets them motivated to mm-hmm. continue making the gradual steps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's always good when we can get that sense of achievement, feeling like we have accomplished something or or stuck to something that we committed to and then building upon that. So I can imagine that helps. Yeah. And, you know, with nutrition, you touched on it a little bit, but it just seems like there are so many different theories and fads and a lot of misinformation probably too out there. How can we know what's best for us when we're looking at our nutrition?
1: That's a hard question Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're, because you're right there. We are bombarded by so many theories on nutrition and a lot of them are based on you know selling a product and so we have to look at where that information is coming from i think in the beginning and then looking to your experts there's a reason i wanted to go back and get my master's i i really wanted to dive into what some of the research is behind nutrition what we know what we don't know Nutrition is relatively new as far as you know what we're learning about how nutrition impacts our bodies. We know it's good, it's important, but as far as all the small nuances, and so that can be hard. I always say look to people who have a, a background in education. Around nutrition, you know, Mm -hmm. look look to what your sources are because that's going to be huge. And then I always focus on, I I already mentioned water and vegetables can be some of the first things that I focus on. And other ones is decreasing our added sugar and then our more of our refined foods and fast foods. But my approach really is to meet clients where they're at. So for Mm -hmm. instance, if they're not cooking seven days a week. And I tell them, well, next week, you've got to cook seven days a week. Well, that's kind of setting them up for failure. Or for instance, I work with a lot of picky eaters, whether that's adults or kids. So we have to focus on, okay, this is where we're at. And this is where we want to go. And what I call it's bridging foods to, you know, those healthier options and towards more of what I always consider a balanced plate versus, you know, hey, it must be this all or nothing approach.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, And I'm glad you brought up the picky eater. And I didn't even think about picky adults, but I, I know there are picky adults out there as well. Can you give an example of some of those bridging foods or, you know, maybe a case, whether it's an actual client or just an example of someone, what they ate, and then kind of how you... When about bridging them to other foods?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the number one food that a three-year-old eats as a vegetable is French fries. Hmm. So, and oftentimes I, I, I do see with kids, like younger kids, they're picky eaters, and but they'll accept something like a French fry. So for instance, if we want to bridge that to a healthier option, well, we start with a French fry that's maybe from a fast food restaurant to a French fry that's in the home. So we mm-hmm. bake, we brush it with a healthy oil, like avocado oil, we bake it. And so it can be, but it can be cut up in the same way that they're used to. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a small transition. And so say we want to get them to bridge to new food, like sweet potato mm-hmm. or, or another like root vegetable. It could be parsnips. It could be Carrots. Mm -hmm. And so any of those, so what we're going to do next is we've introduced the baked option. Now we're going to introduce a newer food, like the sweet potato and cook it in the same way, same, same cut that they like Mm -hmm. the same way. And, and we do have to introduce it several times. So that's the hardest thing, I think, to see when, you know, your child rejects something and says, no, I don't want it. Well, then it kind of turns you off to wanting to make it again. Sure. But the truth is, them just seeing it. So, we oftentimes have to put ourselves in their shoes. If we see something that we've never seen before and Mm -hmm. it's put in front of us, most of us, even if we're adventurous eaters, are going to, you know, hesitate just Uh a bit about trying that food. And that's how it can be with kids. And especially if they don't see the food very often, maybe it's been a couple months, their hesitation can be more. About this is an unfamiliar food versus Mm -hmm. I really don't like the food. So the next step to to bridging is to introduce it several times and and to introduce different variations. So we can cook it in different ways. We can Mm -hmm. flavor it in different ways. I never shy away from sauces. So kids' favorite sauces those are always a go to help bridge to new food as well mm-hmm. because they already like the sauce, and then we introduce a newer food that they can dip into that sauce. So it's a bit of familiarity there. Yeah. And so, oftentimes, bridging looks like taking something that they already do like and transitioning it into typically like a completely different food where it's cooked in a different, maybe healthier way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's that makes so much sense, and it. Although I'm sure there are a lot of emotions involved, especially when you have to introduce something multiple times, and you know there are dinner table fights and things like that. But it does make so much sense, and seems to be something that is manageable to do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, your job honestly is just to present it, and so Mm -hmm. studies show it takes about fifteen to twenty times often for a new food to be accepted. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and so I always encourage also for parents, like for instance, if you have a little bit more time on the weekend, getting them into the kitchen, even if they're to just touch the fry and put it on the cookie sheet, that's Mm -hmm. an exposure that they get to feel the texture of it. Mm -hmm. And that's an introduction to the food. And so like smelling it, uh, feeling it, those are all forms of them starting to accept the food way before they start to taste it. Right. But just know that you've done your job. That's where we we do have to get out of our heads just a little bit and know that you've done your job by introducing that food, you know, it's there at the table. They get to decide how much and what they're going to eat of it, but you've given them that balanced option. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And then it just makes me think, uh, since we're talking so much about vegetables and I'm glad I ate lunch before, (laughs) before this podcast, I'd be getting pretty hungry, but you were talking about your story and how you thought you didn't like vegetables until you found different ways to prepare them. I'm curious, what, what are some of your favorite ways to prepare them compared to what you were in a sense, rejecting when you were younger?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we were really lucky growing up. We had, my granny and grandpa had a pretty large farm, meaning they always had fresh foods available, you know, during the season, like uh, like this spring, summertime right now. Uh And the problem was, is that for my family, just the way that they grew up was like, for instance, I'll take green beans. I hated the smell of them, Mm. the mushiness of them. And the way that they were always cooked is that they were boiled to death and then they had maybe some salt and pepper on them. And mm-hmm. so, they, to me, they tasted mushy and bitter. But now I actually love green beans. And the way that I cook them is I like to actually roast them. That's my favorite mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And so, I'll brush them with some oil and then put some seasoning, uh, salt and pepper, Italian seasoning. You know, I kind of mix it up at different times. But I've noticed that I like a lot of my vegetables, not just my green beans, but I like them them roasted, mm-hmm. or I like them like in a stir fry where they're more al dente versus mm-hmm. mushy. And what I can tell you is that I learned is that, you know, the longer we cook vegetables, the more bitter they're going to be. Hmm. And so, in some kids and even adults, taste bitterness a lot more strongly than others. And ah. I think I was one of those for sure that I was like, "Oh, this is bitter. This is gross." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, finding different ways, and then just adding different, you know, adding some what I call that umami flavor. So mm-hmm. I use oftentimes like a coconut aminos or Bragg's aminos. Or a uh, cheese helps like disguises essentially that bitterness mm-hmm.
0: too. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about, I, and I actually didn't know the fact about the bitterness and the the longer you cook it, but especially if you're particularly sensitive to that taste, I can imagine how that would immediately turn you off from wanting to have any vegetables. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well,
0: thanks for sharing that. That was more for my curiosity than anything, but <laughs>
1: absolutely,
0: I appreciate it. Going back to you know, talking about how moms tend to put their self care at the bottom of the list and the fact that we do have so much on our plates. How do you help busy moms to prioritize their nutrition?
1: That's a great question. So, I do work with them making those small steps, I feel like is a huge key versus them thinking I have to overhaul everything mm-hmm. and I've got to cook something differently for myself and then for my family. So I really like to help them figure out what can one meal look like for the whole family. And oftentimes that is a, a huge part of it is bridging, meaning mm-hmm. meeting them where they're at and then making those small changes. Mm-hmm. And then I, I provide them honestly with the, the resources and the strategies. So they don't have to think about, you know, what's for dinner, what am I planning? So I help them with having a meal plan for the week mm-hmm. and that looks different for everybody. That doesn't mean I know we look on Pinterest or Instagram and we can see, oh, everybody's, they've got all their meals for the week, but that's not realistic for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be. So, you know, figuring out what, but having a plan, meaning that, you know, you don't always have to ask yourself the question, what's for dinner mm-hmm. at dinner time right. when you're rushed and you have maybe 15, 30 minutes to get something on the table because everyone's starving or you got home late. And so having those resources for them and having the recipes and helping them figure out a plan, that's what we do in our sessions. I feel like that's a huge component and a lift off their shoulder. Mm -hmm. Now they just have to execute and that can be challenging in and of itself, but if they don't have to think of all the other components and what that looks like for them, Mm -hmm. well, that can be huge definitely
0: Yeah. speaking from experience i i haven't been as good a, about planning as i would like to be but just knowing that every tuesday we're having some form of taco is like mm-hmm. you know a, a lift off off my shoulders especially when you get to that dinner time and you're exhausted from work and the kids are probably cranky and hungry and i can imagine how having that plan would be such a key first step
1: it's funny that you mentioned like taco tuesday <laughs> I often help families come up with be nice um, oh. just because it gets everybody excited. Like right. it's Taco Tuesday, or it's Mexican Tuesday, or Italian Wednesday, or it's Thursday leftovers. And, and you know, kids get into it as well and get excited Of like, oh, I know that this is for, for dinner tonight. And so it can get everybody excited too. And then like you mentioned, it can take that pressure off of mm-hmm. what's for dinner.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's great. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on and we have a question that we've asked all of our guests on this season of moms that lead. And that is what's the one leadership lesson that you feel most passionate about passing on, whether that be to your little one, that's coming in a few months or to your clients that you work with, or even to a friend, if you had to pick one leadership lesson, what would that be?
1: I've had to learn with leadership is that leadership has to look, be specific to the person, mm. meaning that you really do have to emotionally connect with that person and understand then to know what works best for them versus just leading the same, everybody the same way. Mm-hmm. That's been my biggest, you know, transition as I work with the team in a hospital, that was something that I had to learn of that everybody's different. They're not all the same. They're not going to work the same. They're not motivated by the same things. We all have different personalities, which is great because that's what makes us better as a team. But we have to, as leaders, figure out, well, how to lead individual people very differently. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And that applies to motherhood as well. Unfortunately, all the the kids don't come out in cookie cutter fashion either. So,
1: (laughs) I'm about to find out. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you for that. And of course we'll link um, your website in the show notes, but where, where can people go to find out more about you and the work that you do with living up wellness?
1: Absolutely. So you can go to my Instagram and Facebook pages at living up wellness. I like to post content, just helpful tips, uh, recipes, or just a little bit about what I'm doing. So you can figure out a little bit more about me and also get some great health tips as well.
0: Yeah. I I love following you on Instagram, Uh, getting, I love seeing the recipes you're making and trying them out and they're all so manageable. It's not like you have, you know, strange ingredients in them or a long list of ingredients. It's just healthy, good, tasty food. So I encourage Um, everyone to go follow you as well.
1: Thank you. (laughs)
0: Well, thank you again for your time today and of course, best wishes for the rest of your pregnancy and a very healthy and as quick as you want it delivery (laughs) And, and just, it's a very exciting time for you. So thank you for taking this time out of that time to be with us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Terry, for having me.
0: So. What simple step will you commit to this week to improve your nutrition? Remember, those that you lead need you to have the energy to use your unique gifts to positively affect their lives. Let's all prioritize this self-care by starting with a small commitment this week. I'm in. Are you? I hope you have a great week. And as always, until next time, lead with love.